as long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. Morning news on 710 KURV. Top newsmakers. Here's Sergio Sanchez. Mission Police Chief Cesar Torres, our guest in the Valley's Morning News, we understand that their response to more mental health situations will be improved soon, thanks to a, a grant. Chief, do you have a, a mental health response unit, or does this report of a new grant allow you to develop one? Which one is it, Chief? Good morning. Uh, we do have a mental health unit already with two officers, okay. which we've had for a little while. But uh, I thought we needed to expand our unit, and therefore uh, we applied for a grant that allows us to hire two additional officers. Ballpark figure, Chief, when the 911 call comes in, and you need you do need to send a specialist that knows how to handle more mental health. What would you say, ballpark figure, Chief, just your best guess, 5% of the calls? Two percent of the calls. Is it more than that that require the assistance of this special, specially trained officer? It's a very small percentage. I would say two percent of the calls. Uh, however, those calls are critical, and it appears that we're getting more and more calls. So, uh, not only has the pandemic, but other issues has caused uh, mental health to our citizens. So, it's very important that we take care of this uh, situation. In a, in a manner that's going to benefit our citizens who suffer from mental health. Yes, sir. Mission Police Chief Cesar Torres, our guest. Chief Tim Sullivan here. How would you describe the goal of the unit? Uh, let me ask you first what, what prompted the creation of the unit when you uh, decided to uh, to bring it on, on board, and, and what do you hope to accomplish then? Well, it's very important that uh, we give our citizens who suffer from mental health the proper treatment uh, instead of putting them in jail. They don't belong in jail, they belong in a treatment where a doctor is gonna help them to uh, get better. And so it's it's very important that, that we identify the issue and we handle it appropriately. Yeah, and how, how do you do that? How are those first responders able to determine whether uh, this person, this incident that officers are responding to, whether this person for instance, may be a, uh, a war veteran and is experiencing some you know, mental problems either as a result of uh, drug use or alcohol use or just you know, PTSD. How do you determine whether uh, this person who, who is experiencing these problems may be showing signs of violence? How do you know whether to you know, work to decelerate the incident work to calm him down or whether to you know make an arrest well our officers respond uh, upon knowing that it's a case of mental health then our, our uh, mental health officers respond and so they uh, talk to the individual they uh, investigate to see if they're taking medication or what the symptoms are and if there's any symptoms of mental health then we have a screener 
uh, screen them. Uh, besides the mental health officers, we have a screener at the police department. And then if we determine that it is a mental health issue, then we uh, transport them to the hospital where they're going to get the proper help. What if you don't get that information ahead of time, ahead of the response? Uh, what, what if you don't have that information, you learn it on the scene? It's very simple. Uh, if we don't know, then the regular patrol officer responds. And once he or she gets there and sees some of the symptoms, then he or she calls the mental health officers and the screener. And that's how we do it. How do you, how do you um, initiate the training for that? What's the training program involved? Well, there, there are several trainings uh, involved uh, that uh, our mental health officers take. Uh, there's different courses, uh, and each course has a, a different number. Some of these courses are uh, TCOL certifications. And so the most important thing is, is, is to, to um, make sure that uh, we take care of our patients and we talk to them and we listen to them. That's the most important thing because uh, common sense is really what's most important during all this. Mission Police Chief Cesar Torres, we're talking about the mental response team, has two officers that are specifically trained to help de-escalate situations that involve someone suffering from a mental health incident. Tim asked about the training. How long is the training, Chief? Is it a specific certification that an individual needs to attain through some medical group, or how does that work for the officers? Well, there's different trainings. Uh, some trainings uh, take days, but there's multiple trainings, and, and just got to understand that these type of trainings, they're ongoing. Uh, they keep going. We don't stop training uh, for, for this type of uh, uh, subject. So uh, training is vital. Common sense is vital. Um, so it, it keeps going. We, we, we don't stop training. From your assessment, it's good to hear that about 2% of the calls, only 2% of the calls coming in require the specific skills someone trained to deal with a mental health issue. Um, in the short amount of time, and I don't know how long you've had it, you said you've had it for a while, these two officers, do you know that if the team has been able to defuse a situation or two that could have escalated and been different without this type of training? As, absolutely. All our officers are trained in de-escalation, all of them. And so specifically those that are in the mental health unit they're trained to de-escalate a situation and to make sure that let our patients know that we are there to help them and not hurt them. And that's what's important because we do not want to incarcerate a patient. We want to help him or help her. That's what matters. Yes, sir. Uh, is there anything else you want to mention about the holidays, um, specific to the holidays from Mission PD or any other training you'd like to mention? Well, we, we are right on the holidays and obviously during the holidays, we receive a lot of calls where people are, are depressed or going through some situation. And so it's important that uh, our, the families of, of those who suffer mental health to stay uh, on these uh, individuals to make sure that they call us and get us the proper help. That's what's important. We want to help the public. We want to help our citizens with mental health. We want to make sure that we get them the proper program. Because putting them in jail is not the answer. We, we want to get them to a hospital right. or to a place where they're going to get the help that they need. That's you, what's important. Chief, are you hiring over at PD right now? We do. In fact, uh, December uh, 12, which is today, 
uh, we're already testing for the uh, to hire additional officers, and it appears that we're going to hire at least ten or twelve more uh, here, maybe January. But uh, the test is today. All right, Chief. Thanks for the heads up. Best of luck, Chief. Yes, sir. Our mission police chief, Cesar Torres. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids to running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURB. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. Download the free app for 710KURV and all our sister stations at Radio United. Crisp, clear audio and access to previous programs from 710KURV only at Radio Parami. Download it. It's free. It's a pleasure welcoming to the program Travis Bush, the new coach for Vaquero football. That I think the season starts in two, three years. UTRGV, Vaquero football on the way. And we welcome Travis Bush, our coach. Well, appreciate your time today, and I'd like to start, Trav, with your sports pedigree, your roots, uh, your family. Is it in your blood, coaching and sports? Tell me about that first. Yeah, well, well good morning, and uh, and appreciate you guys having me. Uh, yeah, with, without a doubt, you know, uh, it, uh, from my, my earliest days of uh, being able to walk, I think I learned to walk in the field house uh, <laughs> down, in, uh, <laughs> down in the valley with, with in, in far at PSJ, my father Bruce Bush, and uh, definitely growing up around the game and, and in, the, in field houses and around teams, uh, um, and and the the South Texas teams that he's coached really really sparked the the passion in me for football um, alone, and then uh, as as well as coaching as I grew up with him. So uh, yeah, you know as, as I as I got um, as I got older and and um, you know played football in high school and college and, and getting to that point in life where you have to make a decision. Uh, what you want to do. I, I just couldn't see myself, uh, doing anything else. Uh, I love the game, love the, love, love coaching and really watching him and the, the coaches he coached with, the impact they had on young men, uh, and, and what you could do, um, with, with their lives and your life was, uh, was just something I wanted to do. Travis Bush is uh, the new coach for Vaquero football the season starting up in two, three years. Coach Tim Sullivan here. Congratulations on, on the appointment. Morning, Tim. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, let me ask you then, uh, how do you go about starting a Division I football team from scratch? What What's the very first step, and how do you progress from there? Uh, well, um, it's uh, it's pretty overwhelming at, at first. And then, uh, you know, having the uh, experience of, uh, of being part of that initial staff at UTSA and, and seeing firsthand, it's, uh, you know, it's it's a it's a process, it's a long process, but it, it's uh, – it's fun. It's it's neat. You get to do it exactly the way you want. But you, I mean, you're starting from complete scratch. You mm-hmm. know, uh, you know, down there uh, th- this weekend with uh, with uh, Chase Conk and and everyone there. I mean, you you look at uh, you know the 
the uh, the equipment. We have one helmet and one football, I think, right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you look at everything. You look at everything that, that a Division One football program entails, and and you've got to build everything from scratch. And, and you know, the first thing we're going to get working on is is obviously personnel, um, and hiring an, an entire staff over the next year. Um, you know, not just assistant coaches, but football operations, every piece of personnel that, that goes with a football program. Um, you look at every piece of equipment that a Division One program has and, and getting uh, your equipment. Before we can ever have players uh, or student-athletes on campus, there's so many things we have to do and, and getting involved in the, the building phase of all the facilities uh, and, and utilizing every resource we have down there right now so it's uh you just start you start with a blueprint and uh and then you start uh you start moving some dirt and you start uh building a foundation and uh you know sure enough we're gonna have uh we're gonna have a front yard we're gonna have a house and we're gonna have student athletes and uh we're gonna have guys practicing and we're gonna blink and we'll be kicking off in HEB stadium in 2025 yeah that's right it'll be here before you know it well let's jump to uh <laughs> the players where do you get the initial players well, I tell you what, you know, people ask us where we're going to recruit. We're going to walk across the street from campus and start recruiting there. And, uh, you know, the, I've, I've always, um, you know, fought to recruit South Texas in the Valley when, when I was at Texas State, UTSA and hmm. Houston. Not a lot of people go down there. There are some, um, great, uh, student athletes and football players in the Valley in South Texas. And, uh, I think, and, and really with any university, um, you, you walk out your front door and you start recruiting at home and, and you, you move out from there and, um, definitely, okay. uh, you know, going to recruit the state of Texas, um, but, uh, you know, utilizing, um, utilizing the resources we have and, uh, and start local. Um, you know, if we can keep some, uh, division one guys, um, in the Valley and, and keeping them at home and instead of going off to, uh, to other places out of state or, or, uh, or in the state, um, we can really, uh, we can really build a fan base there as well, but, but start local and moving out from there and, and, uh, and recruiting the state of Texas. Travis Bush, our head football coach, announced for Vaquero football starting in 2025. Yeah, there you go. So is there uh, <laughs> is there a way to do that, uh, Coach, and possibly get a winning inaugural season, or should we be prepared <laughs> for a couple of not-so-good times? Well, you know, it's it's tough, you know, looking back to and, – and really, you know, going back to UTSA, we – um, it was different, you know. We didn't have the transfer portal, and um, you know, we we had to open up that first year with just freshmen and redshirt freshmen. Um, but our schedule was kind of a, a random Division three and AIA Division two schedule. Um, a the difference here, we're gonna we're gonna walk right out and kick off with a with an eight game um, whack uh, a sun schedule yeah. uh, at the FCS level, which is gonna be tough. But again, the transfer portal now gives us an opportunity to have some upperclassmen. True. Um, in, in, uh, especially in key positions starting out. So it'll be interesting and we'll, we'll have to get in and, and, um, you know, I think the, the beauty of this going back, um, to the, to the experience we've done it before, you have some time here in the next year. Uh, you, you really have the opportunity and time to go study some teams of, of what they're doing, how they're doing certain things in the programs. Um, and we've got some things lined up with the, with the best schools in the nation. Um, but you, you go study your conference next season. What, 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 what's the conference? What's it going to take? What kind of student athletes are going to have, are we going to take to compete for championships in this conference? Offensively, defensively, what are we going to need to do to be successful in this conference? So the, the, the time gives us that freedom. Uh, to kind of prepare from, from that aspect as well. But, uh, again, that, so that's going to determine what, what type of guys we're going to recruit and, uh, and what we're going to need to, to kick off in 25. Cause, uh, you know, we're going to have high expectations. Yep. Um, it is a process. We understand that. But, uh, bottom line, you know, eventually, uh, UTRGV is going to be competing for championships. 
UT Orange of Eva, football coach Travis Bush, our guest on the morning news. Tell us a bit more about the, I suspect you already have assistants. You, you've made quite a few friends, uh, as you said, working at UTSA. <laughs> I got more yesterday. Uh, Texas State, <laughs> uh, U of H. You, you got you, know, you got some deep roots in football, so I suspect you already have some folks in mind to come and help you. When when might we hear about the, the new team that you're building? There at the university, um, yeah, and I tell you what, you know, speaking of yesterday, we got a, and there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of excitement, a lot of interest uh, because of uh, what that what this job can be. Um, you know, in, in the next few months, we're, they're going to hire we'll hire a, a handful of personnel uh, to kind of get us started. Some some key some key figures um, on the staff uh, and and support staff, which uh, we, we'll we'll start working on those here in January. Full staff won't be hired till around this time next year. You know, so after after yeah. next season, we'll look at hire a, a full staff, and that's that's ten full assistant coaches um, in Division One, along with some some other staff as as we get going. But you know, it's uh, it, it's it's a different job as well, and I think that's going to be key is, is is making sure you know we we're getting coaches down there that that understand the, the building process uh, that are going to embrace the valley, embrace South Texas, and uh, and really are on board uh, to help build what we need to build. I think the low hanging fruit for UT RGB Vaquero football would be to bring back some young men uh, to the Valley, the folks who went to San Antonio or Houston or Lubbock, somewhere else to school or talented football players and say, be part of this initial season. Cause I, I want to get you just a quick comment from you on the talent pool in South Texas. And you're going to need some stronger ex, expert, um, you know, linemen, defensive and offensive linemen to protect the ball, but I suspect you got a, mm-hmm. a pretty large pool to work with that would be a freshman class, but also maybe some more junior-senior class, bring them home to kick off the program. Yeah, yeah, there's going to be, uh, um, you know, th- th- there'll, be a, there'll be a lot of ties uh, to South Texas and the Valley, and I think that's, uh, that's key because, you know, I, this isn't just a job for me. This is a, this is this is a pattern. This is home. This is, this is something that's close to the heart, uh, and, and very invested in South Texas and really committed to making this thing great. So there's a lot of people that, that are gonna, that, that, that want a job because it's a job, but you know, we're looking for that right coach and, um, that, that's really gonna have some ownership and, uh, and take pride, uh, in the Valley in South Texas. But there's, uh, there's a lot out there with some ties and, and we're speaking to several people right now. Um, and same thing. I think All there's right. gonna be some guys that, um, Player-wise, okay. want to come home and yeah. want to want to help get this be thing part started. of the okay. Well, if you need um, if you need a water boy for the program, volunteer, <laughs> provide you some high quality H two O. I'm raising my hand for you, Coach. I'll, I'll be there for you. <laughs> hey, we, we need everybody. We need all hands on deck right now. We'll take you. <laughs> all right, thank you, Coach Travis Bush, UT Orange yes, by Kettle Football Coach. KURV. When news breaks, we break in. Breaking news. Stay alert and listen to the weather forecast. We need to be aware and alert to what's going on. Breaking news means it's happening now. We mean now. Breaking news underway right now. Breaking news on News Talk 710. KURV means we're bringing you the news as it happens. We have In this particular instance, we are in receipt of information. When news breaks, we'll break in. Count on News Talk 710. KURV. KURV.
You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. Big announcement from our friends at South Texas Health System a few days back that they have level one trauma care. CEO Todd Mann joining us right now. Well, congratulations, Todd. And tell me about the process you had to go through to get the level one uh, designation or certification. In talking with friends down the street at DHR, they had to do like a year's worth of 24-hour care with all these disciplines and all that. Did you have to do the same? Yes, that's correct. You have to meet the requirements of the American College of Surgeons. Um, It's a rigorous uh, task. Um, with uh, a lot of in- infrastructure that you have to put in, um, largely around research, uh, training of uh, general surgery residents. But from a clinical standpoint, it really is bringing together all of the specialists and having them on call or located within the hospital um, to make sure that you can take care of any kind of traumatic injury. And so that's the biggest piece is, is really attracting all of those specialists and, and okay. to the valley that can be difficult at times. But we've been able to do that. Again, it's a, it's a huge accomplishment uh, out of 523 hospitals. Only 21 hold that designation. So very, very proud of that. Very proud of what the quality of care that we can bring to the residents of the valley. You don't have to go to San Antonio or Houston to get that care. Um, so, uh, with that level one designation, we have created the largest integrated emergency care network south of San Antonio. We have now 10 emergency rooms that feed into the trauma level one. So if you're located in any of those communities in Hidalgo County, we can serve you right there in your community. You don't have to drive into town. So okay. uh, again, very, very proud of the accomplishment. Now, the level one trauma designation that obviously has been up and running for more than a year in order for you to to get this uh, designation, it's specifically for the big tower in McAllen, right? That's that's what you're looking at. That, it, that's correct. Okay. That's where the designation is held. Okay. So, uh, all of our other facilities are feeders um, into it. If you access our emergency room at Edinburgh and it's a major trauma, uh, you'll be sent over to McAllen for that care. All right. Our guest right now, CEO Todd Mann for South Texas Health System, now providing level one trauma care. Uh, Mr. Mann, Tim Sullivan here. Elaborate, uh, if you could, You know what services does this level one trauma designation now allow you to provide us Uh, that we haven't had before. Yeah, so as was mentioned, um, you have to be, um, you know, practicing or sustaining uh, the ability um, to do this. If you kind of look at the history of McAllen, even back, you know, back in the 1980s, uh, late 80s, we were always sort of designated the trauma center. That's, That's where you went. And so, um, as a look back, uh, the American College of Surgeons will look back and say, okay, uh, we had a traumatic uh, event related to uh, neurosurgery, and did your neurosurgery res- surgeon uh, respond in the appropriate time? Is that documented? Show us that. And so it really is about uh, creating the optimal uh, response time, uh, whether it be a blunt trauma uh, injury, whether it's a motor vehicle injury, whether it's a gunshot, et cetera, do you have the right cadre of physicians to take care of that individual? And it could be multiple. It could be our trauma general surgeon. It could be a neurosurgeon as well as a plastic surgeon. Um, You know, trauma is 
is multifaceted. And so it, it really is amassing that, uh, you know, cadre of complement of physicians to take care of that injury. The training that goes into becoming a, a level one trauma physician, um, I can't imagine it. <laughs> but it's yeah. got to be very, very intense. It is. And all of ours are board certified um, and uh, do an amazing job uh, for that. And, and you're correct. You know, it, as an administrator, I don't deliver the care, but I do sit in on the meetings and, and certainly um, hear about the, the types of uh, trauma that they take care of. And it is truly, truly impressive uh, what they do on a day-to-day basis. Big Tower, Medical Tower in McAllen, South Texas Health System. Now, Level 1 Trauma Designation. They've been operating for more than a year. They received that designation recently. Our guest right now, CEO over at our McAllen, big McAllen Hospital, Todd Mann, joining us talking about this Level 1 Trauma Care that's now available. Uh, when, and I had mentioned um, colleagues down the street over at DHR earlier because they had level one trauma designation a few months ago. Have we grown enough as a region, Todd, where level one trauma, we have enough level one trauma in the valley and maybe the region, multi-county region, that we need we can host um, these very severe type of injuries at two uh, level one trauma facilities? You know, it, it, when you look at level ones, when you look at maybe a San Antonio that only has one, if you look at Fort Worth that only has one, um, you know, you might say, hey, that's that's a that's a bit uh, overdone in terms of the level one. The problem is we don't just take care of what's on the U.S. side. Um, and so when you bring in that other million plus, and remember, this is a regional designation. So you know, folks will come from uh, Corpus Christi, from Laredo, um, across the border. Um, so it's not just serving the valley. And so that's really where our push is because, you know, the Corpus Christi market will send to San Antonio. Well, it's equidistant to send to the valley. And so we'll get those patients and certainly the the rural communities that we serve, um, you know, across across the region all come into the valley. So, Again, I don't. I think we we're, we're meeting the needs of our surrounding uh, and neighboring communities, as well as obviously the valley, which was our priority. You had mentioned that a certain number of specialists and specialists in various disciplines they need to be on campus or close enough to respond to a level one trauma situation in order to start providing that care. Did you? have to retrofit a floor or some space on campus or at the big McAllen Tower for living quarters to have some of these specialists spent overnight, kind of like a, like a firehouse. Uh, absolutely. We do have a, a whole wing of uh, call rooms uh, for those various specialties. And, um, you know, it's it's not the risk, Carlton, but it, it, <laughs> it, they managed to get through it. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, but, is it on uh, a yeah, higher floor where at least the right. view is really nice? Is it on a higher floor? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You got plenty of good eateries there n- nearby as well. Yeah. Anything else you want folks to know about level one now available South Texas health system, big McAllen uh, medical tower. Yeah, no, I just uh, appreciate the community support. We're here for you. We've advanced, you know, our, the highest level of stroke care. Now the highest level of emergency care. We'll just keep driving forward, um, you know, to provide the best and highest quality care to the Rio Grande Valley. The, the patient's, the community deserves it. Um, 
and it's our job and mission to, to provide that for them. Merry Christmas, Todd. Thanks for the call today, and we you wish too. you continued success. Todd Mann, CEO, Absolutely. South Texas Health System, there in McKellen. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Potomy app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. Download the free app for 710KURV and all our sister stations at Radio United. Crisp, clear audio and access to previous programs from 710KURV only at Radio Parami. Download it. It's free. Retail sales performance across the area is gauged by the Texas Comptroller's Office. We get a monthly report. And we're going to the Rio Grande Valley Partnership, the Valley Chamber, today. Dan Silva is the new leader over at the Valley Chamber. How you doing, Dan? Merry Christmas. Hey, good morning. Merry Christmas. How are you doing today? Hey, thanks for joining us today. So let's see if you can parse some of the more interesting numbers, either county by county or city by city. What can you report, Dan? Um, I mean, we can kind of dip into to both of them. Yeah. And, you know, a little bit of the, the cities and the counties, but we've had, we've had really, good, really good numbers this past month. All right. So what do you see? Let's start with the counties as far as let's go Hidalgo and Cameron County, which will be the the major markets for the area. What, what you got? So with Hidalgo County, we had uh, Mercedes leading, really leading everybody with a, almost a 30 percent increase. Uh, Mission was up 11.5 percent. McAllen was up almost 11 percent. Wesco was up 9.5 percent. Uh, Edinburgh, 9 percent. Um, in Cameron County, we had you know, most of the large cities posting really strong gains. Uh, Lafetti was up 14.5%. San Benito was up uh, just under 14%. Port Isabel, uh, 13.8%. And South Padre Island was up 13.7%. Yes, yeah. We know that the numbers lag a couple of months from the comptroller's office. So now this being the, this is the December report, right, Dan, that you're looking at? Yeah. So yeah, December report, which is actually October, the October uh, physical, oh, actual sales. Yeah. So well, all the candy and the costumes for Halloween in October—that's what we're <laughs> looking at, which is a pretty good trend going into the holiday season. Uh, and of course, with McAllen being the largest retail market as far as a city in the valley, you know, two to one size compared to Brownsville. Uh, what did what did Brownsville come in at in October? Did, do you have that number there in front of you for Cameron County, the Brownsville number? Uh, Harlingen would be good too, as well. Harlingen. Yeah, Brownsville was up just under eleven percent. That's pretty good. Nine percent. Did you get the Harlingen it, it number? It really is. Yeah, did you get the Harlingen, the Harlingen number? number yeah. yeah, we're looking at seven percent increase. Okay, that's pretty good. So all this indicating perhaps we were set to or setting the stage for a great Christmas. So anecdotally, what do you hear from the community there at the Valley Chamber as far as Christmas activity in retail? Yeah, we're seeing a lot of activity. We're seeing a lot of growth in, in all the cities. I mean, 
all up and down the valley. I mean, even going over to Star County, you know, Star County for the year, they're up 8% uh, with Rio Grande City. Uh, December's numbers were up 9%, November's were up 5%. I mean, we're seeing a lot of, a lot of, and even though they're strip centers, they still have a lot of, uh, you know, smaller uh, entities that come in and, and help contribute to the sales tax. But um, all the cities across the valley are, are seeing are seeing growth, seeing construction numbers increase. So um, that's definitely a, a positive. I know we've been looking at inflation, the gas. I think today uh, we're looking at three three dollars and thirty five cents was uh, is kind of the average. So you know we see it coming down a little bit, but uh, yeah, I mean it's. Is a positive trend uh, looking to as we go into the holidays. Dan Silva, he's formerly with the Mission uh, Community as far as economic development and uh, business activity. He's now the head. Dan is now the head of the Rio Grande Valley Chamber, the Rio Grande Valley Partnership. Yeah, Dan Tim Sullivan here. You mentioned inflation. And can you tell how much, like maybe a percentage, as far as how much inflation plays a role in the increasing sales tax receipts? Uh, it's hard to it's hard to say, uh, you know, because our numbers have been you know, there hasn't been a really consistent trend. There has a, been a positive trend, but it does dip. Uh, I mean, if we look at November's numbers, um, some of these cities were were half of their percentage increase. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's really hard to put what what the inflation is. There still is uh, a lot of buying power. There still is, yeah. Like so the communities are growing, so. Um, but, you know, that is always a fear that we have to look out for. In other words, year to year, if inflation is is taking at around 7 to 8% and we get a 9% sales increase for that period, we're still north of inflation, which means we're getting we're still getting more the buying business. buying power is still there. Still there and still buying the bu- more. Correct. Yeah, compared to the previous gotcha. year, yeah. Uh, what do you make of Mercedes? Now that you're at the Chamber for the Valley, <laughs> we've been looking at Mercedes for the longest time as a roller coaster. Way up sometimes, way down. It, it all it will ebb and flow based on the big outlet mall in Mercedes. What? Yeah. <laughs> that, that's the that's pretty much the main driver in that community. That, that's why that number varies so much. A more consistent number would be, for example, McAllen, which you were an expert in because working with Mission, working with Edinburgh as well. The um, the right. Metro McAllen Edinburgh missionary a more consistent drive. and that at eleven percent increase with Edinburgh at nine percent and Mission at over eleven percent still quite indicative of the strength right now in the retail community. Would you say that Mexican shoppers are back to almost pre-pandemic levels? Is there a way to gauge that? Because the only way to look at this would be either border crossings or the number of buses coming in from Monterrey, the Monterrey area. Correct. Yeah, that's how you would gauge it, and and really. We're getting close. Pre-pandemic, we were seeing the outlets, um, you know, 25 to 30 percent. This month was a 30 percent increase for them, which is great. Um, pre, pre-pandemic numbers were looking at about the same. This also shows that, I mean, we see it on the roads. Uh, shoppers are out. We see people commuting from community to community. Uh, you know, we see the congestion on the expressway. During the pandemic, we saw the outlet malls drop a lot. Well, in large part due to the Mexican shoppers, but also, you know, people weren't really leaving their their communities because they weren't driving far. They were just going out to get their staple items. Um, so the pandemic really showed us what a community can do to support themselves. What it showed us is that the outlet mall really was a magnet 
from shoppers that come from long distances. So, you know, it is positive to see them at 30%. Um, you know, I, I do agree. It is close to pre-pandemic. And the McAllen MSA is a good indicator of, of the trend and, and, and the growth that we're seeing. So yeah. uh, that's definitely exciting. Again, the numbers we're talking about as far as sales activity, that's October as compiled by the comptroller's office. We still need to see the Black Friday numbers for November. That'd be next month, Lord willing. And then in a couple of months, we'll, we'll take a look at the December numbers. Anything going on at the Valley Chamber you'd like for us to know about right now, Dan? Yeah, yeah. Definitely, we're, we're, we're spinning up to on a lot, a couple of large activities. We're going to be having our legislative tour uh, in the month of January. It's 26th to 29th, and the legislative tour is always our way of bringing a lot of our uh, our policymakers down to the valley. Uh, we're going to be in Willacy and Cameron County this year, and we're showing them, uh, you know, what we have as far as commerce, what we have, have as far as uh, as energy and and cross border activity. And we want for them to really see the valley, see what we have. So when they're making policy, you know, enacting laws, they they can they can put a name to to what they're working on. Okay. Uh, so that's the legislative tour. Really excited about that. Uh, we also have RGB Day at the Capitol in February. That's February 21st through 23rd. RGB Day at the Capitol is really our uh, our opportunity to go up to Austin and, and show that the, the Rio Grande Valley is a force to be reckoned with. Ten four. Uh, cool. You know we're. We have uh, a lot of cities uh, and entities all across the valley that have committed. Uh, Edinburgh, McAllen, Mission, Wessico, Donna, Brownsville, Harlingen. You know, so it is really uh, a good cross sector right. that will be going up from the 21st through 23rd uh, to represent the valley. Ten four. As we get closer to those, of course, the legislative tour and and the Valley Day, we'll uh, flesh those two days down as well. Take a look at some of the issues and places that they will visit. Dan, thank you. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year, brother. Thanks for joining us today. Merry Christmas to you. Thank you. That's Dan, Dan Silva is the leader thank of you. the Rio Grande Valley Partnership. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids to running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURB. I like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURB. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. Let's catch up with one key economic report for the region from Lone Star National Bank, and he's one of our commissioners for McAllen, Sebi Haddad. Merry Christmas, Commissioner. Appreciate your time. So I know you were looking at some of the numbers. It seems that, wow, hammers are flying everywhere, Savvy. So what information can you share with us that puts everything into perspective as far as new building permits in the region or maybe city by city? What what, what you look at, Savvy? Well, I think some of the construction that we're seeing are projects that were already in the works and planned in probably months in process, right? So I think those builders and developers have to see them through. But what we have seen is six of the last seven months have seen a significant reduction in the number of building permits. And right now I'm looking at the McAllen MSA area, which is McAllen, Edinburgh, Farr. 
And, you know, you're seeing just in October, you had a 45% drop from the prior year. Previous month, 36% drop. Previous month, 13% drop. 26% drop. And these are significant year-over-year drops, especially given the year before was seeing 116 to 180% increases. So we definitely see sort of people holding off, investment definitely starting to sort of plateau. And there is no doubt that, you know, we're seeing a lot less building permits come into effect. Okay. So it's the price of money, right, Sebi? It's it's not materials because it seems that folks in the materials business say, yeah, the supply chain, yeah, we're okay. We got stuff coming in. So it's got to be the price of money, right? It's definitely the cost of financing. I think the cost of financing is the biggest factor. Now, materials and labor and all of that has to do with it, but those are those are somewhat expected and those are the type of swings that I think builders just adjust for, whether they change what they put in the home or whether they maybe look for new new resources. But the cost of financing is basically the buying power of the consumer. And when buying power goes down, demand always uh takes a takes a dip. So you've been looking comparing Right now, or this time of year, like quarter four, compared to quarter four last year, and you're you're seeing these big double-digit decreases and new permits for the area. I'm guessing the forecast for early next year, because well, we're not expecting the price of money to improve anytime soon. Uh, more than likely, that would be the case, because now we're going to be be comparing quarter one, quarter two to a very strong uh, next year to a very strong quarter one, quarter two in 2022. So the numbers might still go down, right? Yeah, we'll still see those variations because obviously quarter two, quarter one of next year will definitely, I think, be one of the lowest quarters compared to quarter of 22, which is definitely very strong. Now, what we do see is there is more listings coming onto the market. So I think what that shows is all the new projects and some people that are still moving you see the new listings being added. So what I believe is also going to happen is we're going to start to see a longer, uh, a higher amount of inventory be stay on the books, and we're yeah. going to start to see that that time frame for that inventory before it sells to start to, to increase. And that also affects investors and builders and consumers is the holding period. Holding period is also a cost to many. Sebi Haddad from Lone Star National Bank, one of our city commissioners from McAllen, looking at new building permits for the area. Uh, this past quarter, going down a bit, price of money uh, more expensive. Also, the when you're referring to these properties you just did right now, you're, you're talking about homes, right? Home construction. You're, you're not referring to commercial yeah, properties. Right now right? we're talking about one yeah. to four. Yeah. This does include maybe some fourplexes and consumer products, but duplexes, but primarily uh, single-family homes. Yeah, you, I have noticed, though, uh, this is just anecdotal, apartment buildings? Wow, they're popping up everywhere, it seems. we got lots of apartment buildings. But again, going back to what you said, more than likely these projects go back about a year or so, and now we're seeing them come to fruition. As a result of – go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to mention real quick on apartments. I think you know apartments are the types of projects that usually take anywhere from 18 months to maybe 36 months to really plan and execute. And so a lot of the apartments that we've seen come online, because we, we see them sort of at completion, a lot of them really were started in 18, 19, and 20, because we've actually, in large apartment complexes, have seen the number of permits uh, drop by half from 19 to 20. And then from 20 to 21, we actually saw it stay, also drop almost by half. And I think in 2022, we had the lowest number in the last four years 
of multifamily permits being acquired. But really, we see a lot of it because it was started and already in development for for a couple of years. Wow, this goes back to pre-pandemic then. (laughs) We're looking at properties finally (laughs) being constructed that were uh, in the oven or put in the oven late 19 or 20 or early 20 uh, as a result of... uh, And so now we're seeing this as a result of all those permits finally coming to reality. You mentioned um, prices maybe going down as a result. You get more... Because inventory, right? We're going to get more inventory of homes on the market here pretty soon, all these projects that finally will be finished. So do you expect the the home market to continue to see a decrease in prices in quarter one, quarter two next year? That's the expectation. But what we've actually seen is looking at the exact same data, one good thing for the consumers is that home values are still holding up, if not still seeing a little bit of appreciation, um, anywhere from 9% 9% to 6.5% to 10% year over year. So even from current time in October 2022 or November 2022, 2022, we're seeing the price of homes has actually increased approximately 10 to 18%. So we still see that appreciation. Now I'm not sure if it's really going to, to dip. I don't think people's values are going to drop, but I definitely think that we're going to see the continued increases of valuation start to kind of flatten out and plateau. Now for new projects coming online, obviously builders or spec projects, they're going to experience the need to get it into a price point that makes it affordable for the market that they're trying to sell to. And that all has to do with financing. So if we see those types of projects maybe drop in price, then it might possibly affect, you know, there might be that lag on the general homestead. But for McAllen, at least given the strength of McAllen and Really, there's not that much land. McAllen home prices yeah. especially seem to be holding up. All right. And on the money side, either for uh, folks prospecting or commercial builders or even individuals that need to borrow some money, just a heads up for them as you're looking at the new reality, a slightly more expensive money going into the new year, what what would you recommend, even from your perspective or over at Lone Star? Yes, well, at Lone Star National Bank, our business is lending. So, We've been through these market swings. We've been through the worst of times and the best of times, and we never stop lending. And so what I can tell people is if there's something that they need or there's a need out there for a consumer or a business owner, there's definitely a product that Lone Star National Bank can fit you into. We also do portfolio loans, which means we can do residential mortgages that we place on our books. And that's to help people that are maybe just outside of the secondary market checkbox, right? All right. Uh, And so – for people still looking for a home and people are always moving or someone that's in the current process of building and is a little weary on where they might get their permanent, we ask them to come into Lone Star National Bank. We're pretty confident that we can find something for All right, them. Commissioner, appreciate uh, the heads up and uh, the retreat of some of these building permits of late in the most recent quarter. We'll call you again, Commissioner, see what we can get in the near future from Lone Star National Bank. He's our Place 5 Commissioner and former Callan, Sebi Haddad. This is the only radio station in the Rio Grande Valley for the news and information you need to know. We are News Talk 710KURV. Discover our Facebook page, 710KURV, also Twitter. I'm Sergio Sanchez, and my email is sergio at kurv.com. Thank you for listening to News Talk 710KURV.
as long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV.